It is Sunday night, the 8th of January, 2023, and uh, this is Riasis. And we've got Kathy Laura is here in the studio. And Kathy, who is your guest this evening? Well, we have with us this evening uh, Reverend Sam Montoya, and I'm so glad that he accepted our invitation to come out and talk to us. So we want to thank you for being here, Reverend. Well, it's my honor and my privilege. I'm very happy. Also to me, uh, Rob. Hmm. Well, but the honor is to be here in the studio, and just it, it's got nothing to do with us. It's just we are out there talking with our neighbors, and that's what's fun about this. And so, so I think since this is the uh, be- you know the beginning of the new year, and it's our uh, first show, so I think uh, you know we're really honored to have him here, and I think we're going to have a good year this year on the show. So um, I want to go ahead and. Um, start by asking um, the Reverend, uh, we always start our show with a little bit of family history, so I want to go ahead and uh, ask him about um, where he was born, and he can talk to us a little bit about his mother and his father. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kathy, and Happy New Year to you and to all our listeners this evening. Uh, I'm very, very thankful for uh, living in San Marcos. I have enjoyed most of my life here. But uh, I'm originally from Austin. Excuse me. I'm originally from Austin. My grandparents were from uh, Saltillo, Coahuila. And uh, they they would tell us that they crossed over when there was no immigration. There was just a little wooden bridge. You could go and come whenever you wanted to. So my grandparents... Uh, my my dad was not uh, living yet, uh, bo- not born yet, but they they came down to Kyle, Texas. They settled in Kyle, and then from there they moved to Austin, and that's where my dad was born, in Austin. So, what year did um, your grandparents come to Kyle? Good question. <laughs> I do know that I have uh, family and relatives in Kyle, but. I couldn't, I don't know that there. That's a good question that I need to research. Well, see, uh, now, my my mother's family settled in Kyle as well, so uh, isn't that amazing? So we're here in San Marcos talking about... They must have known each other because Kyle was so small, small. believe it or not. (laughs) And I saw... I read just not too long ago, I think Kyle was founded like in 1880, so I'm going to assume that it's your grandfather. So he was probably the right, uh, either before or right at the founding of of Kyle. Um, And uh, your your grandmother, was she also from Coahuila, Saltillo in Mexico? Yes, she was from Monclova and uh, Saltillo in that area. I'm not exactly sure which town she was from, but... They were from that area. And so in what year did y'all end up in Austin? Do you know? No, I wasn't born there, Kathy. And mm-hmm. All I know is that I was born in Austin. <laughs> and and uh, your your mother, where is is your mom from, from the Austin area? My, or? my mom was from the Austin area. Her mother, which is my grandmother, uh, passed away when I was a little boy, so I don't remember my grandmother too much. Uh, but I know that they were from the Austin area for how long or where they came from. I don't know all the history. And and what neighborhood did you grow up in in Austin? Oh, yeah. east side. On the east side. Yeah, I graduated from Johnston High School. Oh. 
I graduated, but I was I was we were bo I was born and raised in East Austin. So is that like off of Sixth Street or Seventh Street or uh, a little bit? It's uh it's uh off of Seventh Street. There's a street named Prado. Uh huh. Prado Street. I don't know if you could remember if you're familiar, but there there still is an HEB on Seventh Street. I know exactly where that's at. Okay. Well, uh, in that area. It's a, a street named Prado. That's where I grew up. So it's Guadalupe Street was in there, too. And then if you kept going straight, you'd hit that bridge. There was like a Western Auto uh -huh. on the left-hand right side. in that area. In fact, there in that corner where the Western Auto is now, there used to be a little fruit stand. They, there was this man that sold fruit. And I was a kid. And I worked for him. And I swept the place. And he would pay me with tomatoes and watermelons or cabbage, whatever they had there, that's how I got paid, and I would take it to my mom as what? a little boy. And and I actually knew the family that lived across the street. There used to be like a white house there on the corner uh, across from that Western Autos, and I, knew, and I knew the family, and now I can't remember their name. It, that's horrible because it, yeah. it just went swish. I, I can't remember. I, I, I remember some of the families there uh, in that neighborhood. Uh, I had a friend named, he's still alive, Joe, Joe Nunez. Mm -hmm. And he prayed, played for Sonny and the Sunliners. Oh. And I used, to, I used to play saxophone, too, when I was young. See the things that we learned? I did not know that. Uh, yeah, but anyway. So did you, did you play in a band? I or? played in the high school band, oh. junior high and high school band. And so, yeah, and if you keep going down that street, there's, I think there's a, oh, the bread, the bread place used yeah, to be there. Mrs. Baird. Mrs. Baird's bread. Yeah, yeah. We used to be on our bikes and go up there and they'd give us a little loaf of bread, fresh, fresh bread. And we knew how to get in there, where to go, who to ask, and they'd throw us some, <laughs> they'd give us some uh, little loaves of bread. We enjoyed it. That, it was fun growing up in there. And then to the other side of the street on Prado, there was a, a water hole. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a little story real quick. There was a little water hole there where all the neighborhood kids would go in and jump in there. Now, there was no cell phones or nothing like that. So my, we lived in the middle of the block, and my mom, she needed me. She'd go out to the porch, and she'd scream my name, Sammy. They used to call me Sammy, real loud. And then about four or five houses down, Another lady, Doña Ancira, and she would go to the portion and she would say, Samuel, te habla tu mamá, your mom's <laughs> calling you. And then it passed to the very last house and they'd scream it and then I could hear somebody's calling me. I gotta go guys, my mom's calling me. So you had your own personal telephone yeah, system, your own intercom system. It's a little story. But, but, I, but it's funny that you bring that up because um, I remember when um, I was growing up there in uh, Victory Gardens that my grandmothers were there and we'd come over. All the ladies in the in the neighborhood, we were taught to call them Doña. Uh -huh. And you don't you don't hear that anymore. No, no, no. So that kinda has, has died down a little bit, that respect part of the way that you treat and I don't know if it's because now we speak a little bit more English and so you address somebody as Mr. or Mrs. now in place of Doña or yeah. Don. So that is an interesting well, that tells story. you a little bit of my age. Well, that tells you something about my age. <laughs> I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm 73. Oh, so um, when's your birthday? August 25th. Wow. Yeah. 
you have one coming. Oh, I'm not going to say right around the point, not right around the corner, still, but still in a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, so, what year did you come to? Well, how did you end up in San Marcos? I'm sorry. How did you end up in San Marcos? Well, that's a good question, and I'll share with you a little bit. Uh, my parents were pastors. My dad was a pastor mm -hmm. in Austin, so I was a pastor's kid, and we were uh, eight. Si I have eight siblings, mm -hmm. and my parents has ten, so we grew up in a big family. Out of the eight. Uh, five of us are in the full-time ministry. So that tells you a little bit about my parents and their upbringing. And uh, when I finished high school, I went to uh, a Bible college in the Valley. And I graduated from there. And then uh, after I, I graduated, I, there's a lot of work, a lot of things that I could tell you in the history. But I served as a very young age as a national uh, youth president in our churches. So I would travel quite a bit. And uh, after, so when I graduated, I kept traveling for a while. And then I was asked if I could do some teaching in a school that we had in Kennedy, Texas. So I went up there for a year. And then after that, our bishop asked me if I wanted to pastor a church. I said, yeah. So they gave me this little church. It was a, uh, if you've been by there, that little fellowship hall, that's, that's where we started, or that's where the church was. And it was a few people, it wasn't a lot of people, mm -hmm. uh, maybe 20, 30 people. But I, I was getting my feet wet. So uh, I'm going to assume you said you're fairly young. You're out, out of college. Um, what, 22, 23? 21. Or? 21. I started here in San Marcos at the age of 21. And what they do at, at our church is every two years, they have a, a special uh, election inside the church and uh, see if they pass, the people are content satisfied or they would like somebody else to come in or if the pastor hasn't behaved himself they can also you know do with it but uh, so every two years so after I, my fourth year I told my wife I think I've been here long enough I, I'd like to try another uh, another parish another church and she said that's fine I'll go I'll go with you and and let me just back up a little bit because when I took the church, I was not married. I was a single young man. But uh, I had already met my, girl, my, my wife, and we were boyfriend. Dating, yeah. yeah. We were kind of dating. Yeah. And uh, so when I took the church, I just felt like I, you know, they needed someone uh, married because mm -hmm. were, uh, out of respect. I was too young. Mm -hmm. I tried growing a mustache to kind of make it look a little bit. But <laughs> I Didn't felt work. like... I just felt like there was a worm, you know, a caterpillar <laughs> going across my face. Anyway. So, can Kennedy, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, to grasp, so is that in Live Oak, Kennedy, or is that? Kennedy, Texas. Texas, okay, okay. So, Kennedy, I'm going to assume back then, wasn't a very large place, because. It still is. Yeah. yeah, so the, the flock that you had while you were there, 20, were they all mostly, did they come from branches, or? Yes, oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> We, we had our, our headquarters there. Uh -huh. We still do. Uh, 
we have about 40 acres or something like that. And uh, the buildings there, we had a Bible school had opened and they needed a teacher. Of course, I, I was fresh out of Bible college, so I thought I knew it all. So they just kind of had me to help out, you know. And in the in in the uh, let's see in the uh, range of your your brothers and sisters, are you like towards the the oldest in the middle, uh, the youngest? Not, I'm kind of in the middle. In, the, in between. Three older brothers. One of them passed away already. I've got, but there were three brothers, and then two sisters that are older, and then it's me, and then I've got two more younger ones. And um, your your older brothers that. Are they also uh, in the ministry? And I know it's quite different from the Catholic Church. A lot of the women are able to take. So do you have any sisters that, that do ministry? or? Yes. Well, I have my three sisters uh, married to three pastors. Mm -hmm. Married to three pastors. And then my youngest brother is a pastor in, in Houston. It's in Houston. So... Uh, that's how I say we have five other siblings. Mm -hmm. My three older brothers, they, uh, one of them served in the Navy for about 28 years, and he passed away already with an Asian orange mm -hmm. thing from Vietnam. And then I've got two other brothers that, that live in Austin. So uh, your other brothers didn't go into the ministry, so you kind of were the, the person, and everybody followed behind you. Right. Um, did um what was it like so you have your father who's in the ministry i'm going to assume that he had uh, he played a very important part in 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 you taking that tell me a little bit about your relationship with your dad i mean thank you for asking that because uh, i really you know enjoyed my dad my 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 dad became a pastor in 1956 and, and I'll tell you a little story because uh, we had two Anglo ladies. They were missionaries. And they went into Austin to start uh, a church. But to start a church with the, they didn't call them Hispanics. They called them Mexicans, <laughs> with the Mexican people because they were mostly Mexican. Anyway, uh, so they, they founded a church uh, in Austin like in 1918 or something like that. And she, one of them never got married, one of those missionaries. And she worked with the uh, Hispanic people in Austin for years and years. And then in 1956, she turned over that church to my dad. My dad had gotten converted under her ministry and had worked the ranks as a member, as a deacon, working for years and then she felt that she wanted to give it to him and then she came to San Marcos in 1954 and started this church as a, but she was already up in age but she still wanted to do something so she started this church here in San Marcos and my dad, dad had that church uh, during that time my dad was my mentor and we had, we had a very good relationship. Uh, my dad, my mom, they were very involved. My mom was also in, involved in women's ministry. And she got to travel around the country with uh, working with ladies 
in the churches with uh, different ministries and and uh, it, it was a, it was a blessing to be to grow up in that area all right well we're going to take a quick id break uh, station id break this is kzsm.org true community radio rises and we'll be right back with kathy laura and reverend montoya here in the studio and uh, this is rob burke and we'll be right back attention local artists Mothership Studios is seeking artists for the inaugural San Marcos Studio Tour and Group Exhibition. The tour is open to all artists living or working in the San Marcos and Martindale city limits. All media is accepted. If you don't have a studio, you can still enter to be part of the catalog and group exhibition. All proceeds from the modest entry fee will go to support the tour. The tour will run for the weekend of April 1st and 2nd. To participate, Go to MothershipStudiosTX.com and click the Open Call Application link. The deadline for entry is 11.59 p.m. on January 21st. For more information, email MothershipStudios.SMTX at gmail.com or at MothershipStudios.SMTX on Instagram. Wait, do I hear bagpipes? No, I can't I can't be hearing bagpipes. Not on KZSM.org. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. Limey's Lass has a show on Saturdays. Celtic Corner. Comes on at noon. I guess I am hearing bagpipes. Oh, what a day. I can't wait to see what else she's gonna play for me. Anybody out there interested in chess? Join us at the San Marcos Local Chess Club. We get together every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the San Marcos Public Library. All levels are welcomed. Everybody is welcomed. All ages are welcomed. It's a really chilled environment just to enjoy and play some chess all together. Yes, Chess Club is just one of those things here in the community that we try to get the word out about. If there's something that you would like for us to, uh, something that don't give us just a couple days, folks, okay? Give us a little bit of time. Let us know about the event. But also, if there is something that folks can get involved here in the community, whether it's your church, whether it's your organization, whatever it may be, please let us get that word out for you here. Send us a message, KCSM. Kathy, let's get the show back to you here. So I called um, uh, Craig Garrison, who's a city planner over at the city of San Marcos, and he told me that Wallace Edition uh, was platted on August the 10th of 1946, and it was taken from the R.S. John track, and it consisted of 40 acres. And you mentioned earlier that the church here uh, was founded in 1954. So you guys were, are kind of not, I mean, I'm not gonna say you're not exactly new to the neighborhood, but you're not, I mean, you've been there for a while. So when, did you come here in 1954 to the church or no? No, no, Well, let me tell you this. Uh, When uh, our church was founded in 1954, it was at at the corner of uh, uh, Cheatham, and River, Riverside, where Herbert's? Yes, uh-huh. Right there at the very corner, uh, 
there's some uh, that now belongs to the city, and they fixed it where they have what it's a little parking area. Oh yes, uh-huh. yeah, it's like a little park area. I think and they have some restrooms there. there. Yeah. yeah. Well, there used to be there an old metal building, and I believe my parents would tell me that uh, it must have been like a cleaners or something years years back well that's where uh the pastor from austin that i was mentioning came and started a mission there and started working there and the church was there founded at that that corner but we were they were renting that place and then in 19 that was in 54 in 1956 was when our present uh what we call the fellowship hall Today, it used to be a little, they, they built a little church there. So we were in Wallace Edition. We've been there since 1956. So 10 years after the founding of, of the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and what year did you come to um, Wallace Edition as, as the I, reverend there? I came in 1971. 19, it was already founded. They had a, a, already a, a small congregation. And in 1971, in March, uh, March the 5th, which we will be there, I'll be there, and my wife will be, we'll be there 52 years as pastors in, in this March. And I saw that y'all celebrated a 50-year anniversary. 50 years of being the pastors uh-huh. two years ago. Uh-huh. When we got there, it was, 50, it was 1971, and we celebrated in 2021. 50 years uh i um we talked about um in uh no oh um oh my mind is leaving me right now over at um off of armstrong street that neighborhood in there um victory gardens and a lot of the uh streets in there are named after um a lot of the uh presidents and um over well, the, the generals from Gen- the, the war. I'm sorry, the generals from the war. Yeah. If we look at, and that was founded pretty close to the same time that um, Wallace Edition was founded. Um, but at Wallace Edition, the, the streets that are there are La- Laredo, Saltillo, Tampico. Little Mexico. Little Mexico. <laughs> so, so I'm wondering if when they, they platted it like that, that they know that a large part of the Hispanic population was going to go live in that in that area. And since you've been there since 1971, how have you seen that neighborhood change? I mean, what's, is there anything different? Because to me, growing up, I don't see a lot of difference. Maybe some newer homes, but how has that neighborhood changed? Well, Kathy, that neighborhood is a very close-knit neighborhood. And uh, when I got there, the streets were not paved, for one. So (laughs) we got the streets paved, you know, but... uh, it's uh, it's not been that much of a change as far as the the neighborhood itself. So in '71 you got there. Isn't that what they said about Victory Gardens that the, they were having an issue with the streets not being right. paved? Right, that was in the early '70s so and uh, probably about the same time. So were you March, part yeah. of that uh, group that tried to lobby the city for streets uh, I, or? I, I I was not, no. Kathy. I was too new and too young, and just trying to learn the ropes. And uh, I started getting involved later on in the community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
that was that was a very exciting time. Very exciting. Time. Yeah, you come, you don't want to step on anybody's toes so quickly. <laughs> um, so, how did you um, come to being? I mean, you're 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 very involved in the community. I um, know that, um, of course. You know, you sat on the board over at Community Action for a really long time. And um, I saw you over at the VFW when we had that whole issue, the election issues with the 1,800 votes that, you know, that, that's still ongoing for, but anyway, I saw you there and, you know, I heard your speech um, over at City Hall with the apartment complex that they were trying to build over um, in the Blanco Gardens. Um, so what led you to the involvement in the community? I'm a, I'm a people person, number one. I love to be, and of course, my calling is to serve, is to serve. That's, so uh, I got involved just by, because I, I, I wanted to help anybody, not just the people from my congregation. It was just, um, it just comes natural to me. So I started getting involved. I think I've served in just about every committee there is in town. At one time, I was overloaded, just serving in one board, another, uh, uh, American Cancer. I, I drove and delivered meals to the, to the people, to the elderly, uh, community wheels, action. Yeah. Uh, I, we, uh, I don't know when actually the food bank started, but I was part of, a part of the food bank at the very early times Early, yeah, about 1986. Yeah, okay. Was and they, uh, we, yeah. we even had it at our church for a while because there was not a place to house it. So we would use our freezer and we would bring food in there. And of course, uh, and then the food bank started growing and growing. But uh, I was involved in just about every organization that could, they, they would ask me, would you serve with us? Sure, would you serve with us? Until I finally, had to cut back a little bit. So I, you, I guess a, tr a true calling, right? Because when you have that calling, it's just not about your community or your church. It's about the community as a whole. Um, back then, the food bank, the a need in the community, you know, we're talking about 1986. Was there a big need back then? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You remember that they also, we also had the programs of, of uh, giving out cheese, mm -hmm. you know, five pound boxes, you know. And uh, I remember uh, we would have lines all the way to the street, you know, people coming in for a gallon of milk, a box of cheese mm -hmm. and uh, beans and rice. Mm -hmm. But there, were, there was a lot of need. I remember we were talking about that over at uh, Victory Gardens at, at the church there one time. They used to d uh, distribute stuff there, and I couldn't remember, and I was asking my brother, and he's like, yeah, do you remember they used to give pork like in a can? So there was like a silver can, and it said pork on it. And, but I remember the elderly ladies in the neighborhood, they would go out, of course, because they were elderly, and so they were able to. But I... For for whatever reason, I just don't remember. I mean, I know we had the food bank, but I just don't remember that the need there. But I know two or three years ago when I drove by there right before Thanksgiving and they were giving away the boxes, I was so shocked to see the line that stretched from the food bank and, and it went past almost almost to MLK. And I, I couldn't believe it. 
but of course i think you know as you know we're you know sitting on the board for community community action that there were some things that that were highly needed but for whatever reason i just cannot i i don't remember well kathy you know you're you're raised in a poor home and you don't realize that you're poor mm -hmm. because you get to eat something every day you know and how your mom stretched the food you just can't believe in now kids open the fridge and they says there's nothing to eat and everything's falling out of the fridge yeah. you know but uh there's still a need there's still a need in the community uh it's a different kind of need different situations uh but i i really enjoy uh san marcos because it's it's never been a big city like austin or san antonio but it's a small community uh even though it's growing leaps and bounds today it's still in a in an area where we can see the needs mm -hmm. and if you're out there that they you know whether they're in the city or out in in, in the county or in different areas there's still a lot of needs out there um how do um how do you feel about you know people come is your your church when they come are you able to service a lot of the people that come do you ever have to turn away anybody or unfortunately we do because uh sometimes we don't have the funds the needs just uh, the are, needs are just too big yeah uh what i learned at a very young age that i can help just about everybody because if somebody comes into my office and says really i need a hundred dollars for my for my rent and or I'm going to get evicted I can't help them with a hundred but if I help them with 20 or 25 and I make the check out to the landlord or to the electric company or to the city whatever at the end of the day they're going to find somewhere else so you learn to to not only give them a fish but you teach them how to fish mm -hmm. You tell them, look, you've got to go. You've got, you know, it's hard for you, but you've got to ask for help with your cousin, with your aunt. You've got to go, you know, and uh, maybe another church. Well, and I think you give them a little bit, and it gives them a little bit of hope, right? Yes. That, yeah, okay, we made this, and we can go on and find something else, and then you, you, you start with that hope. And that hope, uh, 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 Kathy, because I'm a pastor, it gives me the permission to pray for them. And anybody that walks into my office with a need does not come in with an arrogant spirit. They come in with a humble spirit. They're humiliated. They're, they're almost afraid to ask. You know, they feel like I shouldn't even be begging for money. So it gives me the opportunity to minister to them. And not only do I help them a little bit, but I minister to them and I give them hope. I give them hope. I say a prayer. By the time they got, they come out of my office. Usually, they they give me a hug. They say, "I'm gonna make it. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do it." And then I kind of, if if it's a if it's a single mother with children, I try to follow up on that family. If it's somebody else, you know, and then we help people that are going through, and uh, their brakes run out. And uh, I used to know a lot of mechanics. Uh, you remember Freddy Garza? Yeah, yeah. I would send everybody to Freddy, pobrecito Freddy, but he would never turn down somebody. Yeah. He says, Pastor, I've got an old car back there. Take the brakes out of that old car. They fed him, 
Yeah, put him in there at least till they get him home. He he's been on the show. We've had him twice, and we laugh because um, we try to get him to come talk to us, and he sits over there. But he doesn't want to sit here. But he talks to us from over there. So we're we're eventually going to get him Freddy. to come. They they're really good to have on the show. They they they're they're hilarious. Um, so uh, funds for yeah, you got a break. And we're going to be right back with you. You are listening to Riasis here on KZSM.org. And just as a reminder, the views expressed on the show are those of the hosts, the guests, not necessarily those of KZSM or SMTXCRA. We're going to be right back with you after this break. What do you plan on doing this Friday night? Yeah, me either. How about we spend it together? Fridays, 8 to 10, here on KZSM.org. I'll help you relax and let go of the week and, and play you some music, introduce you to some people, uh, new friends, right here at KZSM.org, San Marcos, Texas. Do you love listening to great music? Are you interested in topics that can blow your mind? Do you like having a good time when listening to the radio? If so, then listen to Into the Gray. Friday mornings, 10 till noon. Into the Gray is a public interest radio program we can all enjoy. That's Into the Gray, Friday mornings, 10 a.m. until noon on kzsm.org in San Marcos, Texas. Thank you for listening to KZSM. I'm Marianne Reese, host of Senior Centric, a program designed for and around us seniors. My intent is to tweak your caring about yourself, others, and our world, as well as the curiosity to know and learn more. Hope you'll join me on Senior Centric first Thursdays of each month from 2 to 3 o'clock on KZSM. If you'd like to contact me, do so at lifelonglearningsmgmail.com. And we're back with you here in the studio, Rises and uh, Kathy Lauren, Reverend uh, Sam Montoya, are here talking about uh, his church over in the Wallace subdivision, Barrio Pescada. So your church is located on, on Laredo Street. 208 Laredo Street. Okay. And um, how do you, um, what services does your church offer uh, for uh, people that are, that, that are, well, and how do you how do you get your funds? So you mentioned somebody comes in, you try to help them. Do you have like a general fund for that? Do you fundraise, or does it come from your parishioners? Everything comes from the parishioners. You know, sometimes we'll get a donation from uh, some business that wants to help out. Uh, during the pandemic, we had several businesses just give give us a donation, so we continue, and we're really appreciative for that. But uh, we, we, we've always done fundraisers because of the need of the money. But uh, we, we do a lot of mission work also in other countries. I, I uh, served for about 25 years as a missions director uh, from our denomination. So I would travel and uh, we would raise money to help buy properties, to build a church, to build a parsonage. Uh, the last trip that I made, I'm not on that anymore, but uh, the last trip that I made, we dedicated a medical clinic in Africa. So I traveled into Africa a lot as a pastor. So I would go for a week or two or three, come back, stay here for a while. So three or four times a year, I would travel. And mostly it was the money from the church, the congregation. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us, I know, uh, you know, my, my mother, she was a very uh, humble, very simple person. And um, 
she didn't have any uh, thoughts or dreams of ever leaving San Marcos, much less going to another country. But so many of us, we, we don't leave. And so we really don't know what the outside world is like. We just know what's in our little box. But when you look at a lot of the third world countries, the poverty that's there, um, you just can't compare it to, you know, we, we think we're poor, but when you go down there, they're really poor. How, how is the poverty in a lot of those countries in Africa? Ah, Kathy, well, if you go to, uh, we went to West Africa. We, we worked with, I, I did most of my work there in uh, Ghana and Togo, Benin, and Nigeria. And uh, those were third world countries. And if you go to the city, like uh, the capital or the big city where a plane, it's, it's very nice, you know, because it's got your sections mm-hmm. where uh, tourists go and where, but my work has always been with uh, the, the poor people, the neighborhood, where there's no, I'll give you an example. I know I'm on radio, but I'll just mm-hmm. give you an example. In little villages or, or small towns, where they have no running water, where they have no sewer. Mm-hmm. So they dig a ditch right alongside the street, about two feet deep and about a foot wide. Mm-hmm. And that's their drainage of, you know, just the drainage, period. So the stench, the yeah. smell, of, and uh, you see kids playing in there. You see kids, you know, just kind of people washing their cars. Yeah from that water, and uh, it's just like... Unsanitary conditions. Um, heartbreaking conditions. Uh, but not everybody is like that. So um, I don't want to paint a picture of, you know, this is what it is, because I would stay at a hotel. You know, mm-hmm. when I would go, I stayed at a hotel, uh, but electricity goes out three or four times a day. Mm-hmm. So they tell you, you want to take a shower? You, you, this is a good time to take it because electricity is going to go out during the day or, or whatever, you know. But the world, you know, the, the world goes on, you know, life goes on in every section of life. So you try to go and help what you can. You can't fix everybody's problems, but you can help out. Yeah, and if you're poor and you don't know that you're poor, then that's just the, the you know, that's your everyday, everyday yeah. life. That's what you do every day. Um, the, um, the, the poverty that's there, and you, you mentioned that not all parts are, are like that. And of course you have those that, that have come from money, those that have made money, those that get educated and pull themselves up. So most of the places that you went are going to be out more in the rural areas. Yeah. Is it mostly like people that have lived in, in like tribal, tribal places or? Many of them. And there's, you still find those tribals. <laughs> you, you, uh, for example, in one city, uh, they they have a, uh, like a big, humongous corral where there's hundreds of goats that people sacrifice. You know, they, you know that's the way they live, and uh, that's that's their their beliefs. And I respect every belief because everybody has a different belief. I, I'm I'm a pastor of an evangelical church. A Pentecostal church, but I have friends in every single church in this city. They're all my friends. We can go out to eat. Uh, it's just I, I don't, I don't 
ever, ever. And I teach my people to respect every church, yep. to respect. Because uh, at the end of the day, we're all in the same pot. Yeah, you know. customs and traditions are, 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 are different wherever you go. And I think you hit the nail right on the head when you talk about respect. You know, we all have our ideas and the way that we live. But if we can't respect the way somebody else lives, then, yeah, it makes it really hard. And we won't be able to get along. So I um, have you ever made any missionary trips into Mexico? Oh, many times, many times. And the conditions in some places in Mexico are probably about the same as in... In some areas, yeah. yes. In fact, uh, I just got back from uh, Guatemala, mm -hmm. but we went up into the mountains. mountains. Now, that was an experience, an experience. How, can I... I don't know how much time I got because I don't stop talking, yeah. but, but I'll share real quick. In Guatemala, this pastor went to open a little church in a little village and he says, Pastor, I was there for about eight months. Nobody, nobody would walk into my little church. No one. But he had two daughters. And uh, one day he walked out and the, one of his daughters was playing with a bunch of kids there. And uh, they, so she was playing with them and she gave them some candies. Well, the next day, those kids brought in another group. And... Uh, so a uh, long story short, they have a church there of only children, 150 to 170 children come every, every week. Now, here's the thing. They've had it for several years now. The parents won't come. But in that little village, in that little village, families have anywhere from 10 to 15 kids, a bunch of kids. There's nothing to do. So they bring them to church. Now they're building the church, a big church. And uh, the, the kids that were little, like 8, 9, 10, are now 15, 17, and they're running the church. They're taking a responsibility. They're taking the responsibility. So that's what it's all about, to give people hope wherever they are, whether they live in San Marcos or whether they live in, in a rural area, whether they're going through a crisis. Uh, when, I, when I stand be, behind the pulpit, I see a group of people there that are in front of me. They all look good. They're all dressed for church. But I don't know what happens behind closed doors, what every single family is going through. You know what? Right now, as I'm speaking, there's people listening to us, and they might be going through a problem. I've had people come into my office that you would never think they would cross an office of a pastor's office. And they've come and shared his, their thing. Because we all, we all have needs. How we handle our needs is different ways. But it's always good to have a word of hope for someone. Not maybe the answer. I can't fulfill the, the needs of everyone, but I can give them a little bit of hope. And keep going for tomorrow. Keep going for tomorrow. That's, that's, just, that's, that's what I've been doing here. And before I knew it, it was 50 years. So what? where has time gone by? So I've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed this. Well, and I think, too, you've enjoyed it. That's why it seems like 50 years has, has gone by so fast. Yeah. It's because you've enjoyed what, what you've been doing. 
Let's take a quick station ID break, and you're listening to Raises here on KZSM.org, True Community Radio. And uh, shout out to, we've got folks listening in from down in San Antonio, New Braunfels, uh, Kyle uh, uh, here in San Marcos, up in uh, north side of, San, of uh, Austin as well. So uh, thanks, uh, and I'm sure I left some folks out somewhere there, but uh, thanks to all who are listening in tonight. We're going to be right back with you here. Every Sunday afternoon from 2pm to 4pm here on KZSM.org, Roots and Branches takes you down the highways, byways, side streets and back alleys of music. Join me, Tony Rawson, your hosting guide on this weekly journey through the wonderful world of music from Texas and beyond. All you have to do is log on and listen. It's just that easy. Tune in to Texas River Tonk every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. We play music from our favorite country artists and let you know how to catch them live. We'll also have musicians in studio talking about their work and playing on air. Come join the party with Texas River Tonk Fridays from noon to 2 on kzsm.org, True Community Radio. And hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, at Texas River Tonk. That's at TX River Tonk. Some of the great shows that you can hear live on KZSM all throughout the week. And uh, I hope that you all will continue to keep tuning in to KZSM.org. And we are here every Sunday night from 7 until 8 o'clock on Riasis. Kathy, who do we have next week, by the way, too? Next week, we are going to have Priscilla Delgado Hermiller is going to come talk to us. So we have a lot of stuff we're going to talk to about her. We're going to talk to her about books, and uh, we're going to talk to her about uh, hopefully Elvis. Elvis. I know she's going to want to talk about Elvis. So. And uh, maybe we'll squ- squeeze in a little bit uh, of maybe some uh, royal family uh, watching uh, talk because <laughs> we, we're, we're royal watchers. So. Oh, just some of the great stuff every week. Yeah, and, and we're going to hear a little bit about about her family history. I don't know what side she's going to talk about, but her but her um, father has a, a really neat family history too. So, well, but well, Priscilla will be here, so we may talk about some of her stints here at the radio station too. So, well, it, it just, she's got that connection with the mop top and the king guy. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's let you get on back here with uh, Reverend Sam Montoya. So you you have such a stellar reputation here in town, and um, you know you're involved. And I I always you know think okay, well that person would make a good city council rep, or that person would be really good for school board. And in your time here, you know, have you ever thought about um, a, a, a public office like that, or has anybody ever approached you to run for public office? Well, Kathy, uh, I'll share something with you. I don't share this too often. But I share, I'll share, I've, of course, I've shared it with my congregation several times. But uh, way back in probably either the mid-'80s, maybe the late 80s, I want to say, I'd been here a few years. And I was very involved with a lot of programs as far as that was just, I was having a ball doing all this work in this community. And uh, one day, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. One day I got approached by a group of men, local men, Hispanic men. And uh, they were some of our leaders in the community. Well, they were all leaders in our community. And they asked me if they could take me out for lunch. 
So they took my wife and I to lunch one day. And I said, I don't know what they want. They just asked me for lunch. And they asked me if I would run for city council. And they, they told me, you don't have any enemies. You don't have no enemies in town. And uh, you're respected and you're a pastor. And we need someone like you. In fact, they told me, uh, you know how God used Moses? You know how God used Joseph? And they gave me, they, they had done their homework. And they, <laughs> they gave me several scriptures uh, how if I was a pastor of a little church, I could become uh, someone for the whole city and I could be a blessing to them. And uh, I could almost see myself sitting in, in the city council with my name there, Reverend Sam Montoya, you know, in a nice chair. And it was very tempting, very tempting. And I said, give me a few days. I need to think about this and I need to pray about this. And uh, this is an experience that I'm gonna tell you. That's, it's, it's a life-changing thing. But uh, I, my wife and I talked about it. She said, whatever you do, I'm with you. I'm gonna support you. So I called my parents. My parents were pastors of a very, uh, they had a lot of experience with people and stuff like that. So my parents said, we're, we're going up there, son. And I remember that it was a Friday day, evening, and they came down and they, they said, they, they kind of asked me, what you're doing now, you're serving. That's, this is what your calling is. And I know serving the city would be another, but it's a different ball game. Politics is different, son, and your work is different. So she says, have you prayed about it? I said, yes, Mom, I prayed about it. Yes, Dad, I prayed about it. So you might, I don't know how you're going to take this, but I'm going to tell you this real quick story. They said, why don't we go into the church and pray? It was about 8.30 at night. And, and my parents said, you need to know that you know in your heart, in your spirit, that's what God wants from you. Because you've, you've made a, con a, a commitment to God that you're going to serve him. So he's put you here. He might move you to something else someday. But if this is what God's, if this is a stepping stone, then you need to understand that it's God. So she says, why don't us four pray? So I said, yes, that's fine. So we prayed. Now, I'm a young guy, a lot younger than today. So we were there for about an hour. And then my dad said, dad, son, has God spoken to you? And I said, well, no, I mean, I don't know. You know, just, I'm whatever he wants, you know. So he says, let's pray again. Another hour, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. 12 o'clock, midnight, you know, 1 o'clock. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning that us four were there. And at that moment, it's like nothing else mattered, but I wanted to know, God, if you're going to speak to me, let me know. Let me know. And then God told me. I felt in my heart. I'm not going to say that I heard a voice, but in my spirit, as a young pastor, I just felt like I haven't called you to be a politician. 
I haven't given you that gift of a politician. I've called you to serve. That's what I want you to do. And you're doing it because you're not just serving Sinai Pentecostal Church. You're not in the little box. But you'll help anybody. You'll serve anywhere. If you want to serve, I'll, I'll help you serve. So God, you know, I got up. I felt a peace in my spirit. And my dad said, I knew that God was going to speak to you. I knew it from the moment that we got here. But it had to be not from us, not an advice from somebody, but in your own spirit, you had to understand that. And I understood at that moment. I have not regretted it for a second. Well, that was going to be my next question. So if you were to look back, but no. Oh, no. I mean, you know that Jacob, our son, served in the city council. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, he, he enjoyed it, but Jacob's also been sick. He's got uh, diabetes, and now he's on dialysis. And he's had a hard uh, time with his health. And I respect every, every politician that comes through. I've gone and prayed for them. They've come into my office to ask for prayer, and I'll pray for them. They'll take a picture with me, and I'll take a picture with them so they can put it on Facebook or wherever they want to. That's fine. But my job is, is the calling that I have. I don't have a big church, but uh, my congregation really travels all the way to Africa, Chile, Brazil, Argentina, all those mountains, anywhere. So how, how small was your church when you first got here, and how, how have you grown it? So <clears throat> well... It, it was about maybe like, I would say about 30 or 40 people uh, that were real faithful to the church, maybe not even that many. I don't know. Uh, my pay was very, 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 very little. And uh, now uh, I can tell you like this friend of mine came to my office one day and says, Pastor, come out. I want to show you my, my new RV. <clears throat> and uh, I went out, and he showed me his RV, and he said, it sleeps eight. Really? Well, come and look at my church. Really, it, it sleeps 200, you know, <laughs> because sometimes I, I, I might put them to sleep with my sermons. <laughs> but uh, we, don't, we have about 350 people, but they, I wish they would all come every Sunday. Yeah. But we have two different services. We have one in all Spanish, and then another one all English. And uh, because of uh, we, you're gonna always have people crossing the border, mm -hmm. and they need to be ministered to. And then you have the old generations that say, "Give us Spanish, Pastor. We want Spanish. That's our language." And then you have, of course, like my kids, my grandkids. You know, they they don't speak Spanish. So do you, do you ever see um, your church leaving uh, Vario Pescado? Well, we have 15 acres, Kathy. On Hunter Road? On Hunter Road uh, to relocate. Of course, you know the situation there. That sure. It's on flood water, zone. Yeah. But it can be built up. Mm -hmm. It can be built up. And uh, we could build a, a place there. But uh, so far, we've been there. You know, see what God has. We love our neighborhood. We love it. Belongs to the whole neighborhood because they have they have quinceañeras there, they have baby showers, we have uh, neighborhood meetings. Anything that goes in that neighborhood, our neighbors just come in, 
and, and if the date is open, we'll let them use it. Yeah. After funerals, if it's a small family, they'll use it for, uh, for uh, uh, reception or even for fundraisers. So what's in store for a pastor moving forward? I guess we'll make that our last question. What, what, what do you see first? Are you slowing down? Are you going to keep moving? And I know you've, you've been sick, you know, in the past. So what's in store for pastor as we move forward? Uh, I, I know that one of these days I'm going to have to kind of step down. Uh, and I thought that it was going to be during the time that, that I had cancer. I really thought that was going to be a very difficult time to come back. But God healed me. And uh, I'm, I'm well, well, completely well. And no cancer or nothing. So I'm just giving it for a while. But we do have a, a young man that's in training. He might not be a pastor here, but I'm kind of um, being a mentor to him for for pastorship, whether it's here or somewhere. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. If I have, Kathy, I'm still, uh, for those that are here and uh, want to apply for a job, just hold on for a while, you know. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> not, I don't know. I might be going, but but I, I love pastoring. That's that's my passion. I love pastoring, and I could tell you so many stories, good stories, sad stories, funny stories. <laughs> but I've enjoyed it. The people from San Marcos, uh, the ones that are not from our church. I love people. I love people, and I have friends all over the city. <laughs> And I've been blessed. You've landed in a good place. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just been blessed. The blessing has been for me. And uh, I guess uh, social media wise, uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how do they find you? Social media. Uh, uh, Sinai website? Pentecostal Church uh, on Facebook. Uh, website is uh, Sinai or Sinai dash smtx dot org. Well, I think as, as we're fixing to wind down and close down the show, I want to thank you for coming and talking to us. It's just been a really great conversation, and uh, thank you so much for being here. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you, Rob, for, for being part of it. And just uh, you need to stop me because I don't stop speaking. <laughs> I don't either. That's part of the problem. Oh, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week, and thank you very much, uh, Pastor God Montoya. God bless everyone. Kathy, thanks, and we'll see you next week with uh, Priscilla Delgado. Hermilla. Hermilla Delgado.